This is episode 48 of the Equestrian Author Spotlight podcast. I'm Carly Cade, and today I'm talking with Lindsay Rains. Lindsay is the owner of Hoof Print Marketing, a boutique equestrian social media agency serving clients like the Plaid Horse, Savvy Horsewoman, and Horse Rookie. She resides in Post Falls, Idaho with her husband, where she loves taking jumping lessons. Today, Lindsay and I are talking all about Pinterest. Now, let's get into the interview. Welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast, a podcast featuring interviews with equestrian authors who love all things horses and writing about them. In each episode, you'll hear inspirational stories from horse book authors, including writing advice and marketing tips to help you write your very own horse book. If you're an author, aspire to be an author, or simply love horse books, then you are in the right place. I'm your host, Carly Cade, and creative writing makes my spurs jingle. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight. Today, I am so excited to have Lindsay Rains on the show. Lindsay is an equestrian blogger, and she's also a full-service marketing agency professional at Hoofprint Marketing. We're going to talk about some fun marketing strategies, particularly around Pinterest. Lindsay is a Pinterest pro. So hi, Lindsay. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks so much for having me, Carly. It's so good to finally meet you in person. In person. <laughs> exactly. Lindsay and I have been digital friends for quite a while now, and this is the first time we're talking to each other face-to-face, albeit over a digital medium, but it's it's been so cool to finally get to see you and meet you, and now we're going to have a real conversation. That's really right. <laughs> the first question I always like to ask when we you know kick off the show is, I am always so curious how people's love affair with horses began. So can you share with us a little bit about where your love of horses came from? Oh, man. Yeah, <laughs> totally. So like a lot of people, I started out when I was a little kid. My mom just took me for horseback riding, one horseback riding lesson um, out where my grandparents lived in Northern California. And it was just this nice little small ranch, you know, with in kind of the Sierra Nevadas. And I just uh, rode this horse named Shadow. And he was this beautiful Bay Arab quarter horse gelding. And that was it. My life was over at that point. (laughs) That's how it starts for so many of us. You know, it's like the the obsession and the first ride. And then it just, you know, goes full blown to riding lessons. And then eventually trekking down the road to, you know, begging the parents for the horse. So, yeah. And you are currently a horse owner. Can you tell us a little bit about your furry friends? Well, actually, yeah. I had a horse back when I was in Seattle. I currently um, do not own Chip anymore. But Chip was my very first horse. I know. And it was one of those things is where like he belonged to a friend of mine and then I owned him for a while, uh, a little over a year before I had to um, give him up. But he's still, my friend still has him. He's doing great. But my husband and I have relocated to Idaho, so I don't get to see him anymore, but he's doing awesome. I actually, he actually became mine when I was living at the barn where he was staying. And so it was kind of a cool thing because I had kind of like a weird a situation where I I just was looking for a place at the same time a barn apartment was opening up. Oh, cool! And it was like one of those things where it used to be like the cow milking stall, <laughs> and then they were like, "Well, let's just convert this into an apartment." It had a little camp shower, and it was all concrete floors. It was dusty. There were bugs everywhere, but I just loved it, you know, because you know my neighbors were horses, and 
right out my back window was this gorgeous, you know, five acres of horse pasture. So I got to see the horses run out every morning and, and then Chip got to be in the stall next to me. So it was, it was super fun. Oh, that's kind of like a dream. And yeah. I, I'm sorry, I didn't realize that you had relocated, but at least Chip is with your friend. Yes. So you know that he's in the safe place and you can keep tabs on him. And I'm, and I'm imagining maybe there's a, another horse in your future somewhere. Are you thinking yes. that one? Yeah, I'm thinking that way. So like, like with anything, it's a matter of finding um, the right horse, the right situation, and just making sure that um, it's a financial decision I can make long-term because kind of, as you know, if, if we want to have horses, we want to be able to give them the world. So yeah, mm -hmm. but yeah. Well, that's very responsible <laughs> approach to horse ownership because they are not cheap. No. <laughs> we, we all know that, but, but there's so much more, you know, that we will pay, we'll pay gladly out the nose for our horses for the emotional relief that they, they offer oh, totally. for us. Yeah. So I see that for you definitely, but you're approaching it in a responsible way. And I, I really admire that. I wanted to start off. I'm so, you're up to so much and this is really exciting, <laughs> but uh, how we first came to know each other is uh, through your equestrian blog, Altamira Horsemanship. Can you talk a little bit about what people can find there and what topics you, you cover on, on that equestrian blog? Yeah, absolutely. So Altamira Horsemanship is all about kind of the essentials of what it means to have a connection with your horse. So I talk a lot about, you know, horse training and horse like equine partnership in particular. A lot of it has to do with, you know, miscommunications we might have with our horses or how we can get from point A to point B with uh, uh, with our horses, but instead of using force, you know, using partnership. And the idea is that uh, by pursuing a deeper connection with our horse, we can do it the easy way. It doesn't, it's the patient way a lot of times, but instead of trying to take shortcuts with our horses, we can, we can be a little more patient. We can try to figure out where their starting point is, and then we can get there um, in a way that's productive to both of us long term. But we also do, I also do talk about, you know, equestrian mental health and uh, amazing, you know, equine stories too. So kind of anything that ties into, you know, having a, a solid foundation with our horse. That's lovely. And, and what got you interested in that particular topic? It was it from an experience you had or a book you read or, you know, why that particular space, which is a great space yeah. to be in. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, it's actually, it was kind of an interesting journey I had with horses because like I said, I started when I was a little kid, got horse obsessed. And just by nature of where I was, I was in Southern California and I started taking hunter-jumper lessons. And this is no, I mean, no reflection on the whole hunter-jumper world, but I was in a string of barns and trainers who kind of you uniquely, unilaterally all taught to use force. And it was just like, I didn't like it at the time. I loved horses. Uh, of course, I wanted the best for horses. But from the very beginning, I was taught that this is the only way to do it. You have to make them do it, you know? And so... Uh, it's no surprise that I was always riding tense horses. There were lots of horses who would explode, you know, at certain points. And I just didn't know that there was another way. Of course, that built up my fear about horses and my ability to control them mm -hmm. and all of that and my ability to be around them. And so um, after a while, I just, I kind of started pulling away from the competitive scene at the same time that I found this really great trainer. And uh, I talk about her in an article, it's called uh, The Trainer That Changed Everything. Her name's Abby, and she is incredible. And she kind of came from the same perspective 
of being really steeped in the horse world. And she teaches a lot of dressage and a specific type of dressage now. But what she did with me is at first, she wasn't <laughs> the type to get in a screaming match with her students, which was a great, <laughs> a great bonus in the first place. So I felt like I was safe. And then she basically took me all the way back to the basics. Mm. You know, I, I didn't realize how much I could learn how to walk. I didn't realize how much I could learn just about about what my horse was going through. So she, instead of coming from the perspective of making our horses do things, she taught me how to ask questions of our horses to get farther together. And so that completely rocked my world. And it changed how I experienced horses because I wasn't afraid anymore. I was more curious. So. Uh, she was the type of trainer who I'd show up and she'd be like, okay, we're having our, our jumping lesson like we planned, but you're not getting a saddle. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> or we're going to do a round pen lesson today, but you get no bridle. So <laughs> she's, she was one of those. <laughs> that sounds like a great experience though. And, and I think that's where a, an equestrian would rather be in, in partnership with their horse rather than the battle and the fighting because a lot of times like in the competitive space it's the end goal like how do we get there faster how do we get there quicker it doesn't matter if the horse is connected with us we're going to push it through this like squeeze it through this hole to get right. it to the other side so we can go win something and versus taking a little extra time building a relationship and, and and good on you for for discovering someone that can can do that for you and going all the way back and, and working through the stuff. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's really special. And so obviously that experience inspired you to start your blog and, and tell these stories and talk about that. I'll make sure to uh, include the link to the article about, about the trainer that changed everything for listeners Wonderful. in your show notes. That's, that's exciting. So <clears throat> sometimes people don't like to be put into this description or this space, but, but you're, you're considered an equestrian influencer through the work that you've done with your, with your blog. How does it make you feel to be able to impact uh, our community with the stories on your blog and then sometimes your product recommendations? Like, how does that feel when you, you had a mission to, and you started this blog to, to share a message and now you're reaching others and having an impact on our community? How does that make you feel? Well, like you said, it's a little it's a little uncomfortable at first to think of it that way. <laughs> um, but I think that's kind of the goal with all of our lives, isn't it, is just being able to make a positive impact. And I think throughout writing, something that I really discovered is that people really want to connect with the transformation piece, uh, not just of horsemanship between us and our horses, but also what we go through and what we learn uh, in our dealings with our horses, because so much comes up, right? You know, so much insecurity, so many memories, so much fear, and and also interpersonal things, you know, things that horses teach us about just being a human. And I think that's kind of been the most rewarding thing is when people really connect with a story, like when they connect with the story of a horse that's been recovered from being abused, or when they connect with the story of, uh, you know, uh, myself, you know, when back when I was battling depression and came through it, you know, with horses, you know, in stride with the horses and, or even feeling like I'm, uh, less than kind of equestrian and yet, you know, can still be learning, still be growing. And I think, I think that's kind of, that's been uh, the most valuable piece of, I guess, being an equestrian influencer is just being able to communicate with people that it's okay to be in process. Oh, I love that. And, you know, it's like, it's a service for yourself because you're sharing 
your experiences and you're realizing I'm not alone, but then your readers are realizing, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. And what, that's a beautiful contribution to our community. You know, it's like bringing people together through the stories and, and, and giving them that message that it is okay to always be in transformation. Isn't that what we're always, or always in transition. That's where we always are. We're always constantly growing. And by sharing our stories, it helps people through that process and realize they aren't the only ones going through it. Right. Absolutely. And that's, I mean, and that's all we could hope for in, in a community, you know, which is incredible. Yeah. And thank you for taking that stand inside of our community. That's a very special thing. Thank you. You sometimes do work with equestrian brands. How does that work? Do you reach out to them or do they approach you because of the space that you've created? How, How does that partnership work? Yeah, usually they're, they're approaching me. I don't do a ton of, uh, sponsored posts anymore, mostly because there, there is, there are a lot of, uh, equestrian startups. So I really like working with brands that, that kind of just have some sort of creative flair, you know? So, um, a lot of, uh, the brands that I've worked with, like, uh, Socks Trot and, um, uh, Horsley and all of that, they're, they kind of more have, a creative edge and I just kind of like their stuff. So yeah. Well, I think you make a great point there too, because I really appreciate, uh, you know, like influencers like yourself that recommend and share and work with companies that they like, right. You know, it's like you don't just take whatever comes through the gate. You have, you know, you kind of call what you would use and you would recommend to other, other questions. Right. Right. Exactly. And that's the thing too. And that's the cool thing about some brands, like for example, Socks Trot, they were really great because I got to try on, you know, a handful of different socks and pick out, you know, my favorites and from their website and then try them on. But then it was something too that, that my friends also liked too. So it was really good. I mean, I felt really good about supporting you, you know, in that collaboration too, because it was something that my other equestrian friends like. And same with, some of the other products I was able, like my niece really liked some of the stuff and she's horse crazy too. So it was, that was kind of fun, you know, to see that it didn't just resonate with me, but other, other people too. <laughs> so after learning so much through your, your equestrian blog, you moved on and you expanded a team into a full service marketing agency called Hoofprint Marketing. Can you yes. <laughs> tell us about that journey? Like how how long have you been doing that? Where does that come from? That's so cool. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, this was something I kind of stumbled into in the process of blogging. And the thing with blogging, which I'm sure you know very well, especially from writing books and all of that, is that marketing is always a struggle. It's kind of what do you what do you focus on? I think seems to be the biggest question. It's not that we have a lack of, of means of marketing. It's uh it's more of where do I start? What do I do on each platform? And every platform being so different. And uh, every person's, every small business owner's needs are different. So when I was trying to get traffic to my website, I, you know, I was posting to social media and, you know, I got a little spike here in traffic when I would get a new blog post out. And it was kind of, I was kind of hitting that place where I wasn't getting picked up by tons of Google search yet. Um, or just tons of Google search period. And I would only get the spikes from social media. And uh, so I just started playing around on Pinterest and there really weren't a ton of people on Pinterest, not a ton of horse people anyway. You know, Mm -hmm. Pinterest was DIY and it was, you know, home decor and it was recipes and, you know, that sort of thing. And I started listening to other bloggers outside of our niche 
finance bloggers, mom bloggers, that sort of thing. And they were all raving about Pinterest. And I was like, well, if these people in other niches are talking about Pinterest, I might as well give it a shot. And so that was really my main focus for a while. And I honestly, the first time I opened and closed it, I was like, no, this is not gonna, this is not gonna happen. I don't even get what this whole thing is. And I think that's what a lot of a lot of you know a small business business owners do, especially with Pinterest, because it looks like social media, but it doesn't behave like social media. So mm. but then I just started slowly like adding my content to it and not really putting a ton of time into it. And then I noticed that all of a sudden I was getting like a little trickle of of steady traffic in. And then the more I added the more traffic came in and it was the, and then the, the better I got at Pinterest, the more traffic started to boost. And then, so I was like, hmm, there's something, there's something to this because it's not just a spike and going away. Like it was with Facebook, hmm. you know, if something like, you know, started circulating, then it was kind of the traffic died down in a couple of days, but with Pinterest in, instead of spiking and then going down, it seemed to start small and then build and build and build. And so I thought that's going to be really powerful for not just me, but other people too. So I just started really digging into that. That kind of led me to thinking, well, you know, if it's helped me a lot, I know that not a lot of equestrian brands or, or bloggers or, you know, publications are really using Pinterest to their advantage. Mm -hmm. So I thought maybe I can help some other people do the same thing because I've already done the bang my head against the wall trying to figure it out. And so then that kind of birthed uh, hoofprint marketing. Wow, cool. Oh, that, like there's so much to unpack there. That's really amazing. So, like in a mini description, how come Pinterest like has the slow build or the you know the long tail rather than the spike and down? It, can you wrap that up yeah. in like a couple seconds? <laughs> Pinterest is Google, but with pretty pictures. That's why. Ah, it's not a social media channel. So I think that's the biggest misunderstanding with Pinterest is because it started out kind of as like a different type of social media platform because mm -hmm. it has a beautiful feed, you know, just like Instagram does. But then instead of just being a historic feed, kind of like Instagram and Facebook still are, even though they're kind of a little bit jumbled, uh, Pinterest started creating a a smart feed and a, and the smart feed actually tailors your interests, things that you've searched uh, to things that uh, you might want to discover. So therefore, it's not just a search engine, but a search and discovery engine. So you can actually search things and there are ranked keywords, you know, uh, but it's way less competitive than Google and mm -hmm. things um, circulate really fast. And Pinterest really, really favors people who are, you know, like grassroots uh, content creators, you know, product businesses, because when people go onto Pinterest, they are not looking for a specific like brand, what they're looking for is specific information. And so if, uh, you know, if you have something out there and people are holding on to it, like for example, uh, a, a horse training article, like pressure and release horse training, that's something that started to get, uh, I had an article out there and it gets steady traffic because people search for it. And then because people searched for it, then Pinterest started suggesting it. And then because Pinterest suggests it and people keep clicking on it, it just keeps rolling forward. Wow. That is so cool. Yeah. And I love that we're unpacking Pinterest a little during our conversation because that it, yeah. it is like sort of a, like I'm there, but I don't do right. a whole lot with it. So, but I, yeah. I know I'm like you, I've, I've done some webinars and different listened in on different podcasts and conversations outside of our industry. And people are right. talking about Pinterest right now. So good on you yeah. for like <laughs> tapping in and jumping into something that is obviously 
something that the equestrian community doesn't totally get, but then also like really figuring out how it works. So let's, let's talk about hoofprint marketing, the evolution of, of hoofprint marketing. What services do you offer? What does it look like to work with you? What do you, what do you specialize in? I mean, you've got you probably specialize in a lot, but can you give us a download of, of what you yeah. do? Yeah, for sure. So we have kind of a couple of different ways that, that people work with us. Some people just want us to set up their account just so that they can not have to do that foundation laying work, you know, like getting a bunch of boards that will be keyworded to your ideal client, kind of harnessing who like what you're about and making, you know, pins that lead back to your website. And then, you know, just kind of like a one and done, like get set up on Pinterest and so that you're ready to rock and roll. Monthly clients, what we work on is adding new content from their websites every month, um, creating pins, um, and then scheduling curated content that's not from their site. And then also, you know, content that's from their site because Pinterest does well, at least in the equestrian space, it does, uh, it's, I've noticed that horse uh, accounts build up, you know, when there's a mix of both your content and then other people's content, just because it helps people more horse aficionados kind of find you. A lot of our monthly clients are content creators, but we've worked with product creators too. The as far as like who we specifically aim to work with are people who have a lot of you know unique URLs back to their website, like uh, people who have big online stores or who have, you know, blogs or, you know, even podcasts that could, you know, double as, as content, you know, like blogs. So, yeah. That is cool. So Hoofprint Marketing specializes in Pinterest uh, mm-hmm. functionality. That is mm-hmm. awesome. And your, your packages are, I looked at your packages and I'll link to those in the show notes. They're very affordable because a lot of authors are like, I just want to write my books. I don't want to mess with right. all of this stuff and figuring it out. And I don't know. Right. It, but, you know, on the flip side of that, authors don't make a whole lot of money in the beginning of their author career. So right. to, to the spend is, is a big deal for them. So when it's reasonable to get this stuff up and running that drives traffic to what they're doing, right. that makes a lot of sense. So, mm-hmm. so let's dive a little more into Pinterest. Like how, and because this is the equestrian author spotlight, how yeah. do you think Pinterest can help equine authors get the word out about their books? Is there, is there like a quick tip solution that you could share and then how would working with you help like even make that go further? Yeah. Uh, so two things, one, get on Pinterest and make sure that you have uh, several different links that are connected to like, you know, make a few pins for each of your books mm. and start sharing them on a regular basis. You can't, um, you're not supposed to share the same exact pin, like, you know, more than every every six months or so, four to six months, but you can create different variations with different images. If you have different like links to like different reviews of your books, you can do that. But the the biggest thing I could say for authors is to, in addition to getting links back to your books and getting those on Pinterest is any content that you have out there, just get it out on Pinterest and make sure that there's a way for people to find your books. So people on Pinterest are cold leads. So they probably haven't heard of you. And that's the beauty of Pinterest is that you can find people who like might be really, really interested in what you write about, but they haven't heard of you because, you know, they haven't, you know, been in your network. So that's a beautiful thing about Pinterest, but they're cold leads. So they having something like a sample of what you write about will really warm them up quickly 
and then get them to be, you know, raving fans, you know, in, in no time. So if you have blogs, if you do podcasts, if you do, you know, YouTube channels and can embed that onto your website with either an opt-in to your email list and, or a way to find your books, that's really the best way because the more content you can put out on Pinterest, the, not only will your account grow faster, but that's each individual link is another way for someone to find you and to strike a chord with them. That's awesome input. So, but, and do you recommend rather than pinning from other places, like pinning from your website, do you recommend actually going in and creating a pin that links back to your website rather than pinning from, or should you do like a mix of both? So I am a total proponent of creating a specific pin and then manually linking that to your website. And you Mm -hmm. can, you can, there are managed ways you can manage this with like Tailwind. Tailwind's a great way to help you manage and keep it all straight. Some, some people will, will, you know, pin directly from their website, but that's not optimal unless you have a Pinterest formatted pin beforehand, like Uh, as part of the article, because Pinterest really favors that two to three ratio. So the tall skinny pins. Oh, I didn't know that. Two to three ratio. Okay. Yes. So they, so like, uh, pixels wise, it would be like 600 to 900, 600 wide by 900 tall or. A uh, thousand wide by fifteen hundred pixels tall, um, but you know Canva has tons of free templates. But the thing about pinning something like horizontal or even square, square does okay, but definitely not horizontal, is that it gets seen way less. Just how it shows up in the feed, it shows up small, and um, yeah, it just the visibility is really not that good. So oh, that's yeah. a huge pointer, guys, right there for yes. Lindsay. So so like yeah. the the tall skinny graphics, those are like. A good example of that would be like an infographic, right? Yeah, yeah. So infographics do well. Infographics also. are good. And make sure that if you're like, especially if you're doing, if you're doing content, like a blog post or something, make sure you have some text because Pinterest actually has a uh, software on their out al- that their algorithm uses to, um, to read text that's on images and use that as part of search. And not to mention when people are scrolling and they see gorgeous picture of a horse of a pink horse they they may not they may think it's beautiful right but they may not click on it you know to read your words unless they know like you know what the blog post is about so use some some bold text you know to kind of talk about whatever oh that's smart thank you for that tip and if authors want to dive deeper into pinterest and find out how it can help drive traffic to their books you offer a very affordable Pinterest course that they can take too. Can you tell us a little bit about about your course and and what they get with that? Yeah, absolutely. So kind of what you were talking about, a lot of authors are on a budget. A lot of equestrian small businesses I know are on a budget. Not everyone can afford, you know, paying someone on a monthly basis to help with Pinterest. So I created kind of a start to finish Pinterest course. It's called Perfect Pinterest Planning for Equine Business. So it's kind of coming from an equestrian standpoint, if you're an equine business owner, how to go from, okay, I know nothing about Pinterest to, okay, I feel confident. I have a great account now. It takes, I take you step by step how to set up a good account and then further how to create great pins and then how to set up a a good monthly strategy that you feel confident in. That is really cool. That's a great resource. And that is available on your Hoofprint Marketing website, correct? Yes. Yeah. And, and uh, I will link to that in the show notes as well. And this is, and it's like a do-it-yourself course at your own speed sort yep. of thing. And then you know, they can take it as they want to and they have forever access to it and all that stuff. 
Yep. Super simple. And it's a, uh, it's just seven modules. And so there's just a video and then a corresponding worksheet for every module to kind of walk you through it. Yeah, uh, shifting, shifting gears a little bit. I always like, I'm very curious. Is there anything listeners might be surprised to learn about you? Fun fact has nothing to do with horses. I am an avid knitter. Like I just love to knit everything like knit baby sweaters, knit scarves, knit blankets, whatever. It's just kind of my way to unwind. And, and I like knitting while watching serial killer documentaries and or crime, crime dramas. <laughs> has absolutely nothing to do with horses. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Well, you know, although horses drive our lives, we, we do have outside interests, you know, right. horses. So, and, and knitting is amazing. Did you get into that randomly or did like a parent do that your grandma or did you oh no it was my sister she started it when I was in we were both in high school and she tried to teach me and I was like no I can't do this (laughs) so I gave it up and then she tried to teach me again and I was like nah and I got too frustrated but I loved the craftsmanship of things that you know, I saw people making so I was just like "Ah, I just I'm just not gonna quit until I figure out how to do it and so I just kind of spun off from there yeah that's great. So in the future, we may see a print marketing Etsy store of Ooh, knitted, totally. knitted horse hats and horse saddle pads and, you know, fun Ooh, totally. Stuff. And bonnets. Fly, yeah. <laughs> bonnets, fly bonnets. Yeah. yeah. So, so there's a possibility right there. You hey. can incorporate that talent with, with the rest of your work. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, as an entrepreneur, you know, what for you has been the hardest thing about developing your your career in the equestrian space and then on the flip side of that what's been the very best part about your entrepreneurial approach to what you're doing I think that specifically coming from you know a a Pinterest angle uh, I I kind of hit a wall a lot of times with mentality of like okay Pinterest is not for equestrians and so that's kind of my that's kind of my thing is no oh, you guys need to get on here it's for your own good you know it's and it you know it doesn't necessarily have to do with me working for them it's just more that like we have to we have to get on here there's equestrians you know on Pinterest we have to show up and serve them you know um, and so a lot of people still don't totally understand it so kind of kind of changing my messaging in a way that doesn't sound like information overload has mm. been kind of a challenge, but, but it's been a good challenge because, and this is kind of, this kind of relates to what the best reward is, is that through this process, I've really seen who Pinterest serves really, really well. And I love working with those clients because people who get Pinterest, even if they don't understand how it works, if like when they get why it's, it's really gold and to be able to see a transformation in you know, in their traffic or in their brand awareness, there's just nothing better because, you know, I mean, it really it lights them up to see, you know, another piece of their marketing puzzle that they don't have to worry about has been really awesome. So, yeah, that's awesome. And well, and I think another thing that I don't know if we mentioned while we were talking is that Pinterest indexes in Google, where it's like mm-hmm. Facebook and yes. Instagram do not. And right. I, Twitter indexes too, I think, right? But, but those, Pinterest is a social media channel that actually, when people are doing Google searches, your yep. images will come up with links mm-hmm. to your website, and yep. often you're, you know, that'll rank higher than anything else you're doing on social media. So there's that value to it too. That's a really yeah. good thing to be on there, right? Absolutely, yeah. Especially when Google doesn't feel confident, you know, and which is great for 
our niche because we serve a really, really specific niche. So Google's going to start, you know, Google pulls things from Pinterest because there's more on there than, you know, than it can confidently share, you know, from, from what it's indexed already. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. So, so, you know, it's like there's, there's SEO value in just being on Pinterest to drive traffic to your website. So, and then the, the best part, the best part about being an equine entrepreneur or a womanpreneur. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Oh man. The best part is working with brands and businesses that are really passionate, especially about bringing positive change in our community, because I've noticed that people who really do well in in the space. I'm sure it's true of of every niche, but in particular with horses, people who excel are the ones who really have a passion for serving the equestrian community and for doing right by the horses. So I work with, you know, a lot of people who are super, super passionate about uh, making a change in the community, you know, creating a really welcoming space and to be around that inspiration just keeps me, keeps me going, you know? So Yeah, yeah, a tribe. It's a ch- a tribe of yes. a tribe of positive change agents. I so love that. And I feel the same way too. Like, you know, it's like when we all get together and unite, such magic can happen yeah. in this space. You know, like equestrian ladies are pretty darn cool. There's some dudes pretty that are awesome. cool. Some dudes that are cool They're too. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh and and what makes you feel inspired or like your best self? Like to just, you know, get out there and do the work. And I, you know what, I, I'm the type of person who I will wake up and work like, you know, I get up at 430 every day to work on my business. And then, you know, I'll work on it, you know, until eight at night sometimes or nine at night sometimes. But that's not how I feel my best self, you know, like, because that's just me like grinding things out. How I feel best is when I actually take a hard stop and don't do something work related and do just something creative. Like, you know, I mean, I've been painting my house recently or, you know, just like drawing or knitting or something or doing something that just, um, is just purely creative or writing, you know, like, like writing something that doesn't have to do with business, doing something purely creative all of a sudden starts generating these ideas for, for my business. And I think, that's kind of like a really, if that's a message that I could give to someone who's just starting out in their small business is make sure you still have like those hard stop boundaries with yourself to just have some time for you to enjoy life. Because when you're feeling stagnant in business, usually it's because you're not giving much space to anything else to be a human. (laughs) So yeah, that is really, really good advice. You have to give yourself the opportunity to recharge and shifting your brain to another activity often the ideas come. That's very, so that's really wise. And I think I've heard a little whisper from Lindsay in past email chains that we've had to each other, that there might be a book in there somewhere for you one day. Yeah, definitely. I I definitely may have, may have asked Carly to give me some, (laughs) some encouragement to not be too afraid to write a book. Yeah. I would love to write a book um, about kind of, how horses have been, you know, uh, uh, transformative, you know, in my life through different things, you know, just because horses have really helped, helped me, uh, become more of a people person. <laughs> and I would, <laughs> that that's kind of, that's kind of the essence of, of what I'd like to, to write about just kind of how we, how we relate and how it relates to our time with the horses. 
Yeah. And I believe you've got that book in you and you can do it. You can absolutely do it. Just, and you're already, you know, a writer, you already write these blog posts, you know, and they, yeah. and I'll be there when you're ready. Like, you know, it's, I believe this book is in you and, you know, follow the muse. That's what I always recommend to people. It's like, always follow the muse. Like if you're mute and it goes for the same as like the breaks that you were talking about, give yourself a break. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. the muse often takes you in the right direction about mm-hmm. what you should do. Like if the muse says, go, groom your horse, this isn't working, go do that. If the muse says, read this, you know, marketing book about how to do something next, go do that. If the muse says, work with Lindsay and help build your Pinterest channel, go do that. If the muse says, yeah. write your book, write your book. You know what I mean? So like, mm-hmm. if you kind of listen to yourself, it often drives you in the right place. I did, I've spent years resisting listening to my muse, but then when I gave it up and I just said, okay, this is what my soul or my heart or whatever is telling me to do and I do that it usually is the right choice you know so wow that's incredible because that's something I've noticed about about you I mean it seems effortless as far as writing books you know (laughs) I I love hearing that but it is so not true I I go through all the things that everybody else has gone through I've been there the hardest part is sitting down if there's this cool book called on writing by Stephen King. It's widely recommended in the writing community. And and one of his quotes that I always remember is the hardest moment is always before you start. And it could not mm. be more true because you, you know what, I resist, I have resistance all the time. And it, you, but you get better at getting over that and sitting mm. down to do the work because I can go do a my heart, my head, not my heart can tell me to do a thousand other things besides writing when my heart is telling me to write. But then yeah. once you sit down and you start, then all that goes away. And it's just like, it magically comes out of you, but you have to Mm. sit down and that's the hardest thing. And that's the thing too, about your books is that, you know, it's, it's something you can get lost in. And that's, and that probably comes from that place of, of being able to let yourself get lost when you're writing it too. Yeah. Thank you for saying that so much. And, and that's why I wrote like the kind of books that I wrote because I like those books that I can get lost in and I want to not put down and, and read fast. So yeah, while I'm writing them, I am also lost. I like to say I'm not even there. It's like the characters are driving the, yeah. the car. Like I'm not even there. I'm just following wherever they want to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a fun, it's fun. And it's so <laughs> rewarding. So don't be afraid of it. I think, you know, if it's, if it's back there talking to you, it's mm-hmm. something that that's worth looking at and following. And so that's funny. My next question for you is, what are you curious about right now? And we kind of, oh my gosh, <laughs> just, <laughs> just discussed all that. But yeah, I mean, so like, you know, what are you curious about? Where, what are your future goals? Where are you heading? What are you thinking about right now? Besides the book that I just talked about for. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, honestly, the book is, is something that's kind of sitting there and kind of, okay, how is, how's that going to fit into what I'm doing now? I perceive my marketing business is okay. Serve, show up, serve, show up, do, 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 do. And with, with the book, it's kind of, more of a, a creative flow. And so I'm like, okay, if, if what I'm curious about is if impact is the goal, like we're talking about, if impact connecting with people, serving our community, you know, in a, in a meaningful way is the goal, you know, in five, 10, 15 years, then how does, how does, you know, pursuing marketing and then also pursuing this, this creative, you know, endeavor of, of writing a book or, you know, further connecting with the creative community, the writing community mm-hmm. kind of go together. So, so that's kind of something I'm batting around, but you know, that's exciting. And, you know, I would recommend, so you, you kind of have the structure set up to have your blog support 
the book that you mm-hmm. want to write. And I, I'm going to recommend a book to you right now. It's called okay. How to Blog a Book. Now, what I don't recommend is taking all your blogs and trying to shove them into a book. That does not work. Sure. But if you, or it can, but it's not, it's not the best way. Yeah. What you can do is you can read this book called How to Blog a Book, and I'll send you the link after the presentation. I'll also put it in the show notes. Perfect. But if you read this book, How to Blog a Book, it talks about how you can utilize your platform, which is your website, which is already mm-hmm. established, and you're already used to writing blog posts to frame your book, and then write it one blog post at a time, one blog post at mm-hmm. a time, and then it feeds your audience. Then once right. all those blogs are written in the framework of the book, you lift them off mm. the site, you go in, you edit them, you give them a full structure, you embellish on some of the portions that you want to talk more about, but you already have kind of the structure complete. Then you get it edited, wow. you know, people read it, and then it becomes a book. So you, you can do this very That's, easily if you frame it that way. That's really incredible. I love that. And I love the fact too, is that you're already reaching people who would, who would mm-hmm. ideally want to read it too. Yeah, because you're offering them the information that will be in the book, but then once it's in you, the structures there, then you take it, you expand it out a little bit more in the book and you just give it more depth. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. So girl, you can do this. You can do this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've so enjoyed meeting you for the first time face to face and I really appreciate Thanks. your time being on the show. So let listeners know where they can find you and your, you know, resources that authors can also take advantage of. Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me as far as Hoofprint Marketing goes, you can find me at hoofprintmarketing.com. I also have, you can find me on Instagram. I share a lot of tips, just simple, actionable tips for uh, being present on Pinterest. And then, um, like I told you before, we have the perfect Pinterest planning for equine business on my website, as well as a list of our Pinterest services. But uh, we also do have a Facebook community where we kind of help support one another in growing our our Pinterest uh, our Pinterest accounts. So if you want to join that too, I will give the link to Carly so that you guys can join. Yes, please. And I will link to all those places in Lindsay's show notes so you can get there easily and get right to Lindsay and find out more information about what she's doing and join the Facebook community and, and learn from Lindsay. She's a great resource. And, you know, I wish you so much success. And I know this is only the beginning of a beautiful friendship between us, but Lindsay, I've really enjoyed our time. Thank you so much. Me too. Thank you so much for having me. It really means a lot. Thanks for joining us this week on the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I hope you enjoy these Q&A sessions with wonderful equine authors who love all things horses and writing, just like me. Visit my website, carlycadecreative.com, where you can read the show notes and make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you so much for your support. Want a free guide to secrets of horse book authors? Gallop over to carlycadecreative.com forward slash wisdom to have author advice delivered instantly to your inbox. If you are an author who writes about horses and would like to be spotlighted, please let me know. Visit my contact page at carlycadecreative.com to fill out a request. I'd be happy to have you on the show too. Thank you for tuning in to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. See you next time. I'm your host, Carly Cade. Creative writing makes my spurs jingle.